0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family-owned and operated, a no-pressure, laid-back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life.
0: You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe and Hit That Line podcast network.
1: we that's on the line is the voice of the Arkansas Razorbacks. Shut
0: there. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team.
1: We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, Highly Questionable. Also a two time Dan Levitard Show SUI winner and a <laughs> former heptathlete at Cornell Sarah Spain. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. Mr. Phil Elson, the voice of Razorback Baseball and the Ladybacks.
0: Razorback Nation, welcome into episode number 166 of the one and only Hog Talk podcast live from the Hyman Services Studios. I'm your Monday host, Kyle Sutherland, alongside Porter Hayes, and we thank you, as always, for joining us. If you're a first-time listener, be sure and hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us anywhere, and if you could, while you're there, please be so kind. Leave us a written review and some star power really helps get our name out there and reach more people. We hope you're all being safe out in this snowpocalypse by the time that this has dropped. I know that just about all of us in the state of Arkansas, really, if you're anywhere from the the Mexican border to the Great Lakes, plenty of other places in the country that you are uh, enduring some slick roads and plenty of white stuff, and guys... Uh, thank you again for joining us, and we are happy to be joined by Mr. Ty Richardson of the Morning Rush from ESPN Arkansas. He is uh, one of the hosts along with Tommy Kraft there. Ty, really appreciate you joining us today. Al Porter, good to be here, boys. Let's get it going. We'll uh, start off with uh, man... What's really more to be said than uh, the men's basketball team got their second quad win of the year and the biggest victory overall of the season, defeating number 10 Missouri and OT, 80, I think it was 86 to 81 in Columbia. Again, that was uh, the biggest win that they have had all season and the first defeat of a top 10 team on the road since 2006 when they beat Tennessee, their second since 1994. And per usual, there was uh, no lack of drama, no lack of our hearts racing, but Guys, here we are. We got about two weeks left in the season. We're sitting at 16 and 5, 8 and 4 in conference, tied for second in the SEC. There's really not much more to say than that.
2: It was a really high flying basketball game. It really got going in the second half. I know the news got early when we received the press release that Jeremiah Tillman was not going to be playing in the Arkansas-Missouri game due to a death in his family. And Arkansas definitely was elevated by that. And obviously, you feel for him and his family and whatever they're going through. And you want to play Missouri at their peak level because that's just – you want to wear all their players. But Arkansas was helped by that because he went for 25-11 the last time you played him. But for whatever reason, they can't guard Pinson. He goes I – th- I want to say he had 23 the last time I played, and he hit either four or five threes in the game – on saturday just a really perfect impressive performance by him and Conzo martin had his guys down at the bitter end the overtime i know that uh, it looked like devo had a chance to to put one up but it got blocked but just a fun really passionate game by both ends and now six straight conference wins for the arkansas Razorbacks. you'd like to see them compete and continue this stretch because it has been fun to watch this team as of late in
1: conference play yeah, definitely, and how they come out and played and let Mitchell Smith start off with two threes. You know, and that's one kid that was shooting 18% from the three-point line. He's a vampire kid, So and like you mentioned, Benson, there's guys that just they have their teams that they can just play against and go off on, and he's definitely done that. But for them to fight through, you know, get the lead in the fourth quarter, get it taken away from him, there was some controversial calls at the end. And they went into overtime, but for them to fight through all that and seals is not a hundred percent. So that's another thing that you know they don't have their top guard hundred percent for them to pull out top ten team on the road. And again, I know we hit, they had Tillman out, but he's still going out there and playing.
0: Yeah, and then you also got to think about Connor Vanover, as we've seen plenty of other times, typically early in the conference in the SEC conference play that he just came out and they would start the game but just wouldn't be a factor and he would get taken out and we didn't see much of him after that. Well, that was not the case on Saturday as he did start off and hardly even touched the ball on either side of the floor but then ended up with 12 points. He has just really come on over the last four games or so. It all started really with that uh, – no, I think it was nine points and five blocks against Oklahoma mm-hmm. State and he has just really taken it to a whole nother level. And he, he's done exactly – Really, I think – I think really realistically that he's done what he needs to do and then just a little bit more. Some people, I mentioned it on Friday show that, that that he still is not meeting their expectations. That's just what you're going to have in in certain cases, but you think about the the steps that he has taken in Porter you mentioned Desi Sills who's been hurt and still had a pretty good game, at least did some things that you might not have seen on the stat sheet, but overall man, you know, you you got kind of scared there right when they uh right when that shot was blocked by Jalen Tate and the Razorbacks should have had the ball when they took forever to review that goaltending call. But it's you know, you just kind of thought, man, is this going to be just another case where you know many Razorback fans thought that uh, that was gonna be kind of the kryptonite there and the Razorbacks would not be able to pull it out, but they kept fighting as they have all year and they able to get they were able to get the win N O T and uh, man, I mean, you just can't say enough about that.
1: Yeah, that that call the goaltending it was it was crazy. I was listening on the radio, and I think they made the right call. And for you get to get that call on the road, and I know a lot of people. You know, of course, the Twitter Nation afterwards. Oh, the refs screwed us. Well, I mean, they could have very easily easily just gave the ball to the points to Missouri, and they would have been up one. They made the right call, and I think the biggest thing, they were trying to figure out how much time was on the clock and, and what to do like in the jump ball situation because it wasn't like the Auburn situation in football where Arkansas clearly had it, and then they still overturned it. They tried to figure out, okay, what do we do? Because it was an invert whistle. You go to a jump ball. I think they they, they made right the call on that. So for them to overturn that call on the road, I mean, that, that was a big momentum push for Arkansas. You mentioned Jalen Tate's
2: block there, which was initially ruled a goaltend and then and then taken back. He also had a steal on the final possession or one of the final possessions where Moses Moody ends up getting the ball, knocking down those two free throws. His defense, guys, has been unreal this year. And even when he's not hitting his shots offensively and he might turn the ball over here and there, one thing that's consistent, from the Northern Kentucky transfer is his defense, and I know that's why it's really hard for Eric Musselman to take him out of the lineup because he does a really tremendous job on the opposing best or second best player throughout the ball game.
0: Yeah, he's been phenomenal. I uh, just, I mean, he's he's definitely had some liability issues as far as turning the ball over. I know that he averages about two or three a game, and we've seen that plenty of times at the beginning. Uh, in the first half that he might have four or five, but like you mentioned, they're putting him on just about everybody's best guard. Look at what he did against Scottie Pippen Jr., who at the time I believe was the second leading scorer in the SEC. That's just stuff that you don't – I mean, it's it's not like he always gets maybe three or four steals a game, but there's so many things that you don't see on the stat sheet that he is able to do that, that Desi Seals has been able to do when healthy – Um, and then it, it just, it resonates to what the rest of the team was able to do. And I wanted to bring up what you had mentioned about Tillman being out now, again, you know, nothing, uh, but the best to him, um, you know, it's, we totally understand while he was missing a game because of due to a death in the family, but until coach Musk had that, that post-game press conference, Nobody had really talked about it. It was was always mentioned, at least by the Mizzou fans that I had seen on Twitter during the entire game, about how, oh, well, if we would have had Tillman, you know, this would have been a whole lot different. Well, we didn't have Justin Smith in game one. And that's exactly what Coach Muss had said. I believe it was Troy Lynch from Fox 16 that had asked the question, you know, what kind of difference in the game was that? And then he mentioned, well, I don't know, well – why, why don't you ask them about uh, us not having Justin Smith in game one? So we can sit here and we can point to all this stuff. You know, maybe that if he would have been available, their inside presence probably would have been a lot better than it was. But I do want to bring up something, though, that is definitely – I guess you could say it's a concern, even though that – especially against Kentucky. Well, it is a concern. We've talked about it all year. Against Kentucky, Coach Muss had mentioned that they were not even really trying to guard the three. That was not in their game plan. Yesterday, I don't know that that was necessarily in the game plan, but Missouri, who is typically a 30% shoot, I don't know what their final uh, percentage was, but on the season coming into this game, they were 30% from three, and I think it was 14 that they hit against us. And so, Is that something, Ty, I want to start with you first. Would that be one of your main concerns as we head into the final five games of the regular season?
2: Hogstats put out this statistic yesterday, talking about giving up threes. Arkansas is four and one this season, three and one in Southeastern Conference play when opponents make thirteen plus threes in game. You hear that, and you're just kind of confused to see if That stat is right, but I mean Hogstats added, and you think about nine of their last team games prior to this. He said that they had lost, so it's weird how Arkansas has been able to overcome some of this three point shot output that you've seen from opponents this season, like a Kentucky, like in Missouri. Now, I know Eric Mossman wants to fix that and change that, but one of the things like in the Missouri game and then in the Kentucky game, you just uh, gave out the uh, Missouri shooting percentage. Kentucky was 308th in college basketball, hitting that game from behind the three point line. So it, at times you just got to assume the statistics are going to bear out and they didn't necessarily in the Missouri or the Kentucky game, but Arkansas is still able to get a win. It doesn't help when Pinson either went five for six or four for six and was just feeling it. Mitchell Smith, Porter, you brought up he hit two threes kind of to start out the game. I don't anticipate this trend continuing where Arkansas is just giving up so many threes and yet still finding ways to win. But at the end of the day, guys, if they still find a way to win and they're giving up 13, 14, 15 threes,
1: I'm okay with that because the only thing that matters is the W at the end of the column. Yeah, definitely, and we, they can give up as many as threes, but the thing I wanted to bring up was their free-throw shooting. They won against Kentucky on two clutch free-throws. They got into this game two big clutch free-throws. They went 20 for 23 on the free-throw line, and you can let a have team shoot all the threes they want, but if you're down in those clutch – Type games, You're going to need solid free throw shooting, and they've really stepped that up, and I, I think that's going to come in handy coming to the SEC tournament, and barring they make the NCAA tournament, that's going to come down to those fourth quarter pressures where you can really, and you're in those tight games, and you can make those free throws. Yeah, if they continue that up, Kyle, that is going to be massive because I,
2: I like you guys and every other listener that's listening to this pod right now, anticipate that Arkansas is going to be some close games. Now, they're 60th in the country right now in free throw percentage, but Porter, you more point, and 60th, I mean, I'll take 60th. I'll take anywhere inside the top 100, to be honest. They're shooting about 75% as a basketball team, but it's the ones down the stretch that you're referring to, Porter, that are so key, so crucial to ice the game, whether it was Moses Moody putting them up three, Justin Smith putting them up five. Those are the type of free throws that you need. It's one thing to hit them early on within five minutes to the game. Guys, you know the pressure that's added on when you start shooting these inside of two minutes, and lately, Arkansas's been dead on. Let's knock on some wood here because we don't want to, we don't want to jinx them when it comes to this.
1: Well, Ty, I want to ask you a question. You know, with the past two games, these free throws have been in clutch. It's been on the road. How much of that do you think with the crowds not being in the building and, the, and Rupp not being full house and Missouri not being full house, how much do you think that's helped them really get those clutch free throws?
2: Oh, it's huge. And, I mean, I don't know if you guys played high school basketball. That's the, the highest form of basketball I ever played. But I can tell you from just playing in an empty arena to playing in a loud, packed, visiting venue, how much of an impact that has on you, not just shooting free throws, but shooting the basketball, the intimidation factor. Now, these guys have shown the success, shown the ability that they can go on the road and win games. But one of the reasons I think you're seeing Arkansas have some success this year, not just the Razorbacks, but other teams, is the crowds aren't as hostile. And we had Nick Mason, former Razorback on the show on Friday, and he mentioned he thinks Arkansas gets three to five wins a year just based on the crowd that isn't, that is a force inside of Bud and arena. And I know Rupp's an intimidating place to play, not necessarily because the fans, but just because of the, and the experience that goes along with playing with the Titans that have come through Adolph Rupp arena and some of the other places that Arkansas has gone on to win Columbia is. I'm not looking at Columbia. I couldn't even tell you at Norm Stewart court. I couldn't tell you what the arena is called. And, It's not necessarily just an intimidating place, but when they stuff however many fans, they stuff up there, it's loud, and people are yelling and screaming at you, and it it sometimes impacts players. Sometimes it doesn't. Others it does. And supporter, to your point, it's straight on the money. It's definitely Arkansas and other teams in college basketball, their free throw shooting on the road has definitely been helped by the lack of loudness that they are having to endure when they step up to the charity stripe.
0: We'll continue the, the conversation about Razorback basketball, but we want to tell you guys real quick about our friends at Bet Online. We've got about two weeks left in the college basketball regular season, plus the NBA and NHL are in full swing. And Bet Online is the only place you should be placing your bets. Anything from awards, TV shows, and reality TV, Bet Online has hundreds of props with real-time odds on almost anything you can think of, and you can always get on get involved virtually through the online casino that never closes. So head to betonline.ag on your computer or mobile device and sign up today to receive a 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And, guys, we got five games left. Now, this is assuming I'm not really sure what's going to happen with the the original postponement of Texas A&M. I haven't heard anything of when we will be making that up, if it will even happen. But as it stands right now, You've got three of your final five games in Fayetteville. You're one. You're maybe the hottest team, I would say, right now in the SEC. Alabama has cooled off a little bit, losing to I think was it OU and who was their uh, first SEC loss? Was, um, I don't know when. You would ask me that. Well, Missouri, Missouri was, was that their okay? So Missouri, yeah. Missouri beats Bama. They get blown out by Ole Miss, and then they lose to Arkansas. So right now, Arkansas is the hottest team in the SEC. I mean, there's just no mm-hmm. other way around it. Like you said, tie six straight wins. You got to mm-hmm. feel pretty good. You got Alabama at home. You got LSU at home. Both of those teams blew you out, but you got to feel pretty good about how you're playing right now and considering the games. And like you guys were just talking about, home court advantage doesn't mean what it did in previous years, but still, you've got to like where you're sitting at currently right now, uh, not just in the standings, but the way that your schedule is going to be playing out for the remainder of the regular season.
2: Yeah, those six straight conference, I don't want to specify conference because you did have a, a blimp to Oklahoma State and Stillwater at the time. But for Arkansas to be where they are as it stands today, tied with LSU for second place in the Southeastern Conference, is nothing short of remarkable because you go back a little over a month ago and they're sitting two and four in conference play and you're wondering what's going on if this is working. Now they're sitting at eight and four with a game still to play against LSU in Bud Walton Arena, so you have that chance to break that tie. Probably not going to be able to catch Alabama. I know you still have a chance to play them at home, but I don't anticipate that Alabama is just going to fall apart down the stretch. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe NATO's squad will, but I'm just so excited about this basketball team. This Guys, this feels almost like Kentucky in a sense where they're peaking at the right time. Kentucky always seems to struggle early on in non-conference and conference play because of the young players they have. And let's remember, this 2020 basketball class was the number one on 24-7 sports, and they're still terrible, which is just so joyous to say here on the Hog Talk podcast. But where Arkansas is, they're starting to get in a rhythm. They're starting to peak the back half of conference play. It is going to be crucial for them to continue that in the SEC tournament, hopefully make a semifinals, maybe even a finals appearance, and then project when they move on to Indianapolis for the NCAA tournament. Because I'd love to see this team make the Sweet 16. I I, I think that's overstepping my bounds a little bit at this point in time, but it's hard not to get excited about this basketball team based on the caliber of their play as of late.
1: Yeah, and when you have 10 new players on the team, and all of but what three or four are freshmen, you know the non the COVID year and not being able to have really have a true off season practice and a true off season for these kids to finally click. And we've seen this in the Mike Anderson years where they're down late in the stretch they they start going on a little four or five game win streak. But the remaining games, the top three teams you got Florida, Alabama, and LSU. Them being at home is huge. It's key because AM and South Carolina on the road. Those should be winnable games. So, if you can even get one or two uh, against Alabama, LSU, and Florida, if you can get one or two of those, I mean, you still have a chance going 10 and eight, nine and nine in conference. And that right there should get you in the NCAA tournament. I have Zach Arms up there, Ruskin and Zach, has said, you know, nine and nine in the SEC usually gets you in the NCAA tournament. So, I think if you go 10 and eight, you, you want to get away from that, that have to play, what, two games? You want that double buy they mm-hmm. have a really good chance of getting out of that because right now Lenardi has them in a nine seed. You want to get out of that eight nine game because of course they somehow they'll bump North Carolina up to a one seed and you'll be playing them second round.
0: I was just about to say that it was, uh, you were reading my mind that that is exactly what would happen because that seems to be every single time. Or uh, I think the other, there was there one other time we played. No, it wasn't Villanova. It was, it was North Carolina in 17 that we, uh, I was thinking the year that, uh, Villanova as won that's Yeah, so Villanova won in 16. Lost. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They lost to uh, North Carolina that year. But, guys, mm-hmm. this is a really important. We were talking about this in our group chat on uh, Saturday night right after the game, and we were m- mentioning about when was the last time because we, we've mentioned and uh, as we've seen this season about how much success the women's team has had beating the U, beating the likes of UConn and Baylor and how they've really picked it up in SEC play over the last few games. But the last time that we've seen this kind of success, not just in a basketball season, but just as a university overall, Um, now I realize that you know football uh, didn't get to play their bowl game after they uh, were the game with the Texas or TCU was canceled. But 2014, Mm -hmm. 2015, both men's and women's won a a NCAA tournament game. Football won the Texas Bowl, and then the baseball team came back from that. 500 start at midseason and then ended up going to the College World Series. At least in terms of basketball, this could be a really exciting year. And I think, Porter, you tweeted about it on Saturday, just talking about the progress that this women's team has made and then how much this men's team has come together. You know, we still have a lot of basketball left to be played, not just with the final couple of weeks of the regular season, but into SEC tournament. But it could be a really exciting time in Fayetteville once we get into the postseason.
1: Yeah, because if you get the men's team, and we, we can all, I love women's sports, love tweeting about it. I cover the women's team, but you, you got to be real on the aspect of what the football team and basketball does. Just for a fans aspect, how it trickles down. If the men's basketball team and the men's football team is doing good, it's going to make everybody want to go to the, all the rest of the games. I mean, you look at that UConn win. I mean, that sparked a lot when it comes to more people going to the other games and getting fans in the senior. And earlier we are talking about you know, the COVID, how it's affected the fans. I think Arkansas holds an advantage because in that UConn game, there was every bit of 4,400 people in there. And I know that, and Coach Neighbors even said, that gave the team 10 to 15 points because just how their arena sits when you can have 4,400 in there, it still sounds like there's 10 to 15,000. But, yeah, it is exciting. And for Razorback fans, I mean, they, they've been hungry for this for so long, and it's almost like they're – they're waiting for something to go bad, but man, if you could get the men's women's team into a sweet 16, you get your baseball team in the college world series this year, just the excitement that will transition into the football team. It's going to be a, a really cool. And I'm kind of envious of Utah because, you know, you get to talk about this every single day and mm-hmm. just the success. That's what y'all want. Cause it makes your job a lot easier.
2: Yeah. I don't like to lean in when the Arkansas Ridgebacks lose now, As a sports radio host, I don't want to be rainbow and sunshine all the time, but as a guy that grew up loving the university, that's a fifth-generation Razorback that went to school there, I don't take pride or pleasure when Arkansas loses. And I know that you guys brought this up that you were talking in your group chat the other night. I was just kind of pondering this thought the other day. It's a bummer that some of these wins, you haven't had a full house like the Ole Miss win in football or the UConn win in basketball or some of these Arkansas basketball wins. And I know Baumwalker Stadium will not be at full capacity. But to your point, guys, this is what I believe is only the beginning. I think this football team is going to get better. And I know the the slate ahead this season in 2021, they have a tough schedule line in the weight. And it is going to be very difficult for Sam Pittman and company to put up the same type of numbers and statistics that they had last year. But I think there's a lot of hope that they can somehow, some way, beat the Texas Longhorns week too. And speaking of hope, the hope is guys with the COVID vac- vaccinations being distributed, that we will resemble somewhat of a normal world by fall football and that means fall football hopefully will be at full capacity or co- way closer than it's been same for budwald arena basketball you would assume that kentucky will be a lot better next year when they come back to Walton arena baseball is going to be i think the same consistently i can't tell you year to year what the baseball team's going to look like i just know that they've got some hitters this upcoming season based on the sources that i've talked to it's Kind of a wait and see, depending on how the world shakes out, particularly in the United States with COVID, the, the different the just infections and stuff. But I'm really excited for 2021, 2022, and what the world of sports, particularly here in the state of Arkansas, is going to look like, hopefully resembling a lot more normalcy than we've seen in 2020 and early 2021.
1: Yeah, real quick, you know, it's like you've got the coaches. Coach Neighbors has said how his team's reacted to have something taken away from them. You know, the softball team, all these spring sports and the fall sports that had their seasons taken away from them in postseason and how hungry they were this year coming in, knowing they felt what it felt like to have it taken away. I think the fans are going to be that way. I think next year they know what it's like to not be able to go to the games, not be able to, you know, sit there and enjoy the tailgating, and everything, the camaraderie, everything that comes into being a fan and having to watch it on TV. So next year when the floodgates open and you're able to get everybody come in and on top of that the success and how good these teams are, it's going to be just as hard to find a daggum ticket to a game next year than it is this year. That's a good point.
0: Guys, I want to transition. Ty, you talked about new beginnings, and we uh, got some really good news on Saturday night not too long after the big win over Mizzou uh, for the 2022 football class. We got a commit, the fourth of the 2022 class from Rashad Dubinion out of Cedar Grove High School in Ellenwood, Georgia. He's a four star all purpose back, 192nd player overall in the class, fourth all purpose back, 422. And guys, I actually got a chance to watch this guy's film. And I'm always, and I've said this plenty of times, but I'm very hesitant when I'm watching highlight films because it is. What it is, a highlight film. It's going to show all the highs of what the, of what they can do. Now, what I really like about him, he is a guy that they play out of the Wildcat a lot. He doesn't pass the ball, but he does he, so many different things for them in terms of options of whether to run, ready to, whether to keep, And also, too, he can do stuff as a receiver, catching screens, catching balls out of the backfield. He returns punts, returns kicks. One thing I did notice about him is you see a lot of players, they try to just do their little spins and their jukes and look good. He doesn't do that unless he absolutely needs to. He's got a nose and his a nose and eyes pointing towards the end zone to try to get those points on the board. And uh, I know watched about probably four to five minutes of that. And I'm really impressed with him. It's kind of hard to tell how much speed he actually has because he was just making it look so easy compared to some of the competition. I'm not saying that the competition he was played against was bad, but that's just kind of how he was at least making it look was that he was just on such a different level than those, than the other guys that he was competing against. But there's a little bit of connection there, actually a good bit of connection. Running back coach Jimmy Smith, he was an assistant coach at Cedar Grove from 2007 to 2012 and then was the head coach there from 13 to 18 before going to Georgia State as running back coach in 2019. And, guys, we think about how important Texas is to recruit and south Louisiana, even into Oklahoma and the Tulsa area, which the last two coaching staffs have really put an on. Imp- the current one and then the Morris staff put a really big <laughs> emphasis on – But Georgia might be, and I've said this before too, that might be the most underrated recruiting grounds in the entire country. When you think about so much of the town, also Florida is in there right there with the likes of South Louisiana and Texas. But with Jimmy Smith on staff, with Sam Pittman here from some of the connections that he made while he was at the University of Georgia, I don't think this is going to be the last big time player that we get out of there. Kyle Porter, I'll give you a trivia question. Who is the highest recruited
2: five-star that Arkansas has ever gotten outside of Arkansas? And uh, I'll give you a hint. It's not Ryan Mallett. I know that's Texarkana, Texas, but it's not Ryan Mallett. Let's
0: see. We we haven't had a whole lot of five-stars. I'm trying to think of the five-stars we've gotten. Mitch Mustaine. uh, Man, outside of Arkansas. I don't know. I I don't even know that I could tell you if we've ever gotten one outside
1: of Arkansas. Porter, any ideas? I'm, drawing a blank. I'm trying to think of like a defensive player, but I'm. You're on the right track. Um, man. Cartoon. Does that help? Man,
0: man, yeah. I'm trying to. I think. know that oh, I'm going to slap Carol. myself after this. After you tell us, I'm probably going to slap my
2: face. <laughs> you want me to go and tell
0: you? Was, yeah. it, was it Batman Carol?
2: odd Batman, Carol oh, okay. out of Atlanta, yeah. Georgia.
0: That's right. I <laughs> Five-star. Okay, so I didn't know he was a five-star. I knew he ran a five-team. Mm-hmm. Ty, before you so, – tell, I, I got to tell you guys a quick story. So whenever I was – I went to Houston Nut Camp. I was at like a freshman or sophomore in high school. And when we were leaving camp on a Sunday, we were actually uh, – we were right behind uh, Jeb Huckabee. And Jeb's uh, – if you guys remember him, he was a defensive end. His sister actually taught me in eighth grade. Well, Jeb pulls over and we're in we're all in line he pulls over into the pit right there by the stadium and batman yeah. and carol had that was back when spinners were really big those spinner rims <laughs> jeb pulls over and goes into the parking lot. Of course, we're all at a standstill, so we were able to see what happened. Gets out of the truck gets out of his car, goes and spins Batman's spinners, gets back in his car and then pulls back out into traffic. Uh it was just yeah, we're like, what is this dude doing? Like he's going over there and like there was nobody in the parking lot. I don't know. I thought that was really funny. But that, that was back when spinners were huge, about fifteen years ago.
2: Man, I, I love these old camping stores. I used to go to it it was John Pelfrey's camp and then it became mike anderson's camp that was one of my favorite memories growing up and getting to experience Bud and arena barnhill arena some of those camps if you got a chance to go were a blast in middle school elementary and early
1: high school yeah you used to have those things that you get at AutoZone. you put up we used to call them because they're like 20 inch hubcap looking things and sometimes you have the middle of where you can spin it so mm-hmm. we always used to joke saying we'll go put some dub caps on my car
0: yeah, that, yeah. Back in the day, man, those, that and lowriders, for whatever reason, uh, were just a really big thing. I don't know. That was uh, some interesting taste back in those days. But, uh, but back on track here. I mean, this is where you. You look at this class right now. You got Eli Henderson out of South Carolina, and then you add Rashad DeBinion, and then you've got two guys from the Natural State and Dax Courtney out of DeWitt, and then JJ Hollingsworth out of Greenland. I know. I know. Right now, I think they're twenty fourth in the country per 247. And then see, Rashad actually doesn't – he doesn't have a rank currently on 247. On Rivals, he's a four-star. Uh, they've given him the ranking as of now, but 247 um, hasn't uh, done anything with it yet. He's still – yeah, just – yeah, there's nothing for there. And I don't believe ESPN has either. But uh, you think about it again, you know, like we – Chad Morris did a really good job, uh, and we can't say that enough. I mean, that there's anything that he was successful at, it was recruiting the state of Texas, did a pretty good job there in Oklahoma. But now we have that. I feel like, you know, with Kendall Bryles' connections and then, of course, Kenny Guyton coming in, we have that connection just about everywhere that you really need it. Now, I'm not saying that we're going to just consistently beat out the LSUs and consistently beat out. The Alabamas. But the fact, and, and I've said this, I think that Ty and I said it this past week, that if, if you, on Friday's show, if you're still, if you're signing the top 30 class in your first year after back-to-back two and ten seasons, and then you signed mm-hmm. this year's 21st class, but you're still not satisfied, you're letting coaches go because you feel like that they did not live up to the expectations, at least from a recruiting standpoint. Not that we really needed any kind of more uh, – I, any any more uh ways of showing like what sam Pittman is looking for for this team man right there it shows you that he is just not satisfied whatsoever not even close to it
2: yeah the expectations for this football team moving forward is going to hinge on the players that were are brought in recruiting and that's such a valuable asset that Sam Pittman has that other arkansas coaches have had in the past like a frank broyles like a Houston nut. Those would be when it comes to head football coaches in the history of this program, they would be tending to be at the top of the list as far as recruiting goes. And Arkansas has to have that type of coach that not only can recruit nationally, but it can also develop the, the lesser talented kids in state that just really, really want to be Razorbacks and that can work to be whatever. And Kyle, to your point, I know you probably heard me mention on the show this week that he was seemingly dissatisfied, not just with the recruiting aspects of the certain coaches that have been let go, but also the on-the-field efforts, the production value that he didn't seemingly get and was and some of that had to do with Barry Odom and know step left on his own accord. But I hope this football team continue to, trends up, to tend, trend upward, I think, at Sam Pittman. But I will say this, and I mentioned it. You've hired all coaches that are younger and that can bode well for recruiting. That can be good for just the relationships that you're building with these kids. But you also have to worry. I think a little, I don't know if worries the right term buys, but the experience I think is a little concerning when you look at some of the guys he's brought in. Cause I, one of the things I mentioned during the Chad Morris tenure it's one of the critiques of his staff is the little to no sec experience. And now you're bringing all these guys in that don't have a lot of sec level experience. I know share was a linebacker in Missouri and there's other connections that you can point to within the power five, but we know the Southeastern conference is a completely different animal and there's not really any honeymoon time for assistant coaches. You got to come in and produce so I'm curious to see these new coaches, how quickly they act, acclimate to their new jobs
1: and coaching in the Southeastern Conference. Yeah, when Coach Sam Pittman come on, you know, when he built this program, everybody said, we just want to see progress. That was something we didn't ever get to see under Chad Morris was the progression. And we get lost in the wins and losses and just the number by the team as progress. You know, bringing in all these different recruits, you're getting a four star out of Georgia. But another thing that gets lost in transition is he, he's a, he's trying to show progress in his coaching staff as well. You know, he comes in his first year and he's like, all right, what do I got to work with? He brings in these coaches. Let's get it going. Now he gets a full year of fight. I want to start bringing in my guys. And the biggest key is he's listened to his offensive coordinator and his defensive coordinator. He's going to come to Browse, man. Who do you want to work with? Barry Odom, who do you want to work with? You know, we're bringing in these big key pieces that you, you see the staff. And, and not a homer by his take, but it's just you look at Clemson and what Dabo has done with Brent Venables and Tony Elliott and Jeff Scott. You bring that staff around you and you get that continuity and you you let the guys know, especially Bryles and Odom, I'm going to let you handle your offense. Odom, I'm going to let you handle your defense. What do you need? And I think that's going to be huge and pay dividends in the end.
0: Yeah, and so you, you don't up,
2: like or go ahead. Go sorry, ahead. go. I was gonna say I, I like what you brought up, not having a micromanager. One of the things I always appreciate about Tommy is Tommy lets me work. And having your boss as a co-host can, uh, for some people, might not work. But Tommy's not really up my butt twenty four seven unless he needs to be for something I did. I have my daily checklist. I have my weekly checklist that I go through. There's things I add here and here, and I really appreciate that work environment. And I'm sure that the guys that are working to understand Pittman probably feel the exact same way that I do.
0: Ty, I was going to bring up what you had said because I I remember whenever Sam Pittman got hired and you had brought up kind of the similar points is that he's he's never been a, a head coach, never been a coordinator. Mm-hmm. You weren't trying to bash the guy; you were just telling it what it is. And I know you got creamed pretty hard for. It. I wholeheartedly agreed with Ratioed. you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, <laughs> yeah, and but that's the thing that's that's definitely a valid point, point. and that's the whole reason why there is talk radio, there is social media is to talk about the things. Look, we can sit here and we can talk about. All of these guys, and yes, they recruited very well. They're young, Mm and they recruited very well at their respective universities. And they're young. They're up and coming. But how are they? Now, I will say this much. I don't think that they are necessarily hired because they're great at coaching offensive line. They're great at coaching uh, tight ends or anything like that. I think it's more so because they feel like that they can can recruit in their prospective areas. But that's definitely something to bring up is, okay, yeah, you were good here, but we've also seen plenty of people successful at this level and then come to with the big dogs, whether it be the big dogs of, you know, again, I know the ACC had a tough year, but still, when I say the big dogs, I'm not just talking about the SEC, talking about the Power Five in general. But I do think that, that it, it will be good, at least in terms of, like you said, more relates, relates to the kids well. These coaches that have proven themselves, like Barry Odom, like Kendall Brawls, like Sam Pittman, I mean, I, I have no reason not to trust them. I think that nobody really has a reason not to trust them uh, so long as that that's the decision that they're making.
1: And one more point I want to make is I think Sam Pittman's making a, a statement like, look, we're not going to settle. You know, it could have been easy in this year that we have with COVID and the budget cuts and all that to just keep everybody on staff. Odom got a raise. Huge. I think that was one of the biggest moves they made was making sure they kept Odom on staff because you're going to build that defense. And I know we're in an offensive game, but, man, defense is what wins you championships. And now the guys that he felt that didn't perform or they mutually decided to go separate ways – he made that happen and he brought guys in that he thought' going to work so th- these little assistants not not saying they don't mean as much as those OC in DC but th- these little position coaches they're putting a fire on them like look you're gonna have to do your job and what we expect of you if not we're gonna we're gonna bring somebody in who can this ain't you know the the small mid major college just the SEC so we need every single coach from the top to bottom. To, to do a hundred percent or we're going to find somebody else who will. Arkansas has to have their coaching staff on
2: the same page. And sometimes you can get away with it. I.e., 2006 where you had an offensive coordinator and a head coach that seemingly despised each other. Every once in a while, you just have enough talent in place and you can make up for it. But with this team, this program, trying to rebuild in the midst of that process, it's got to be a complete continuity within that locker room, within that coaching staff. You don't want a lot of people bickering and arguing and disagreeing, and I don't think you have that. I didn't think you had that on the staff, and I don't think you now currently have that on the staff. I'm not in there every single day. Maybe I'm wrong, but there was what looked to be some mutual... Uh, disagreements between Chad Morris and Joe Craddock, who should play quarterback with the Ben Hicks, Nick Starkle saga was going on. That's something that we've talked about, and it's February right now. We can't just get into this huge quarterback discussion on sports radio because there's so much time between now and September when they take on Rice Owls. I want to see, I don't care who it is. I don't care if John Stephen Jones plays out of his mind and earns a starting job. I just want to see either KJ, Malik, Lucas Coley, whoever that, it's going to be KJ and Malik. I think we both all know that. Not both, all three of us know that, and everyone else listening. Whoever it is, though, between those two young men, you got to command that locker room and command that practice field and own it because that is just going to be a vital key for this football team in 2021. Is the quarterback that steps on the field for it. You feel like you can win any game you play.
0: And Ty, speaking of just what you had mentioned about with uh, offensive coordinator and head coach not really getting along back to the Houston Nut and Gus Malzahn saga, we're up against a break, but I do want to talk about your new podcast, Trusting the Process, your most recent guest, uh, Mike Irwin, had some things to say about (laughs) that, really good stuff, but we're going to talk about that here in just a second. So uh, stay with us. We got more for you here in just a second. Whether rare dead stock or the latest releases find the exact shoe you're looking for through our friends at eBay as the original sneaker marketplace. eBay is the place to go for that perfect pair. You've been looking for with eBay's authenticity guarantee. Your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent authenticators that verifies the logo stitching and dozens of other inspection points along with protecting the seller with a verified return process for the sneaker sellers out there eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers $100 or more, making it free to sell or flip your collection. Visit ebay.com slash sneakers. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. With American National, you get a dedicated agent who will help you make well-informed decisions about protecting your lifestyle. Call us today for a free review of your commercial, home, and auto policies, or to learn more about our customizable farm and ranch insurance. Let the Atkins Agency be your agency of choice. You can visit us on the web at theatkinsagency.com, call us at 501-428-0877, or connect with us through Facebook. Go Hogs! Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479-368-6490. Again, that's 479-368-6490. The Hawk Talk Podcast is brought to you by Heinemann Services. Heinemann Services is a family-owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence in handyman. They offer interior and exterior projects for your home or business, including repairs, installations, small remodels, landscaping, decks, fencing, and much more. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-479. Three four seven nine three three six. That's four seven nine three four seven nine three three six. We're back on episode number 166 of the Hog Talk podcast. Kyle Sutherland, Porter Hayes, and Ty Richardson. And Ty, just like I was talking about before the break, so you've got this new podcast that you started on the Hit That Line Network, which the Hog Talk is very proud to be a part of. I know that during football season, you were doing uh, the fantasy football show, and now the Trusting the Process, you're basically, uh, for the most part, interviewing Arkansas media members and their journey of how they got there, and even before that, uh, during their life. But man, I'll tell you, they're all so great in their own ways in that they had they they all love Arkansas and they've got their stories of covering the teams. But man, I gotta say, I, I'm razorback history is probably one of my favorite or maybe my favorite subject on this planet. And Mike Irwin had some great stories of Big Trail Nations you talked with the other day. I mean, this guy's got stuff dating back to the Gerald Ford administration, all yeah. the way back in those. I mean, well before we joined the SEC. But before we get into that, to some of the guests that you've had, just kind of talk about what led you to start this. Again, I know you're about five, six episodes in at the time that we're recording here, but what was it that led you into that and uh, all those things?
2: A complete copycat. I'm just being honest. uh, Wins and Losses by Clay Travis is a podcast that I listen to a lot, along with the Chit Chat pod with Chad Withrow, who did radio for 104.5 The Zone in Nashville, is now – going to be working for outkick and the idea that they had, and they interviewed a lot of national guys, and that's going to be season two for me going to start out with Aaron Torres. Who's been very helpful with my career and interview Barrett Salih and some others. It's going to be really fun. That's going to be in 2022, but I wanted this project to be close to home to start. I want it to be where Arkansas fans hit that line dot com espn arkansas listeners could really gravitate towards and i know bits and pieces of different backstories from arkansas media members but i you don't have a full pie you might have a piece or two and so my thought is this can be a way for me to connect with a bunch of my friends within arkansas sports media and learn about them and so far It's been fantastic. Learned a lot more about Richard Davenport. He joined me for episode one. John and I have known each other since college. We just hit on some old stories. It was a lot of fun. I learned a thing or two new, but a lot of the stuff that John and I talked about, we already knew Sullivan, Steve Sullivan down there in Little Rock had a great story for KTV, had a great talk with Danny West, uh, just kind of his, Rise from where he was to where he is now. Danny's just an awesome dude, and he likes to brag that he has the most listened podcast on trusting the process to this point, which is kind of funny. Got to talk with Freddie Coleman nationally for about 10 to 15 minutes at just kind of, kind of a spur of the moment thing. And instead of asking about the Super Bowl, I asked him about his life story. And then Mike Irwin, who you just mentioned, Kyle, was. Was great. I, I've been blessed where a lot of these media members like me. I don't know why. So they're willing to come on for an hour. But so far, it's been awesome. And the credit doesn't really go to me, it goes to the people that I talked to pre interview to help me with these questions. And then the interviewees themselves. Hopefully, the success continues, boys.
1: And as a listener, I've listened to every single one. And it's become one of my favorite podcasts. Thank like you, Porter. Just because you're part of the network, it, it's, it's, you grasped me with the Richard Davenport one. I did not know what to expect coming into your, your series. I mean, you think you're just going to interview media and talk about their career and how they rose up to top and what they're, you know, the cliche stuff. But
0: mm-hmm. man,
1: when you got, you and Richard Davenport start talking about your mothers and stuff like that, and I share a similar story with y'all. As a matter of fact, it's, it's coming up on a year since my mom passed away. And I literally had to pull off the road stop what I was doing and gather myself and then listen to the rest of the podcast. I mean, it hit home. It really gets people to know the media outside of the media, like their home life. I've learned a lot about more about Richard Davenport. Me and him's actually connected and talked since then, you know, Danny West and Sully, you know, me and Sully played catcher when I was in the fourth grade at our uh, elementary up in uh, on the Little Rock Air Force Base. He come and done a little piece at the school. But but you get to know about their lives. You see the media, you read their their stuff on Twitter and their, you know, their stuff on the newspaper. But this really, like I said, it's one of my favorite ones because you get to know them and sheds a new light on who they are. And because you just know them. Like people just probably know Ty as the Morning Rush shows. You don't know them outside. And I think that's what's the most important thing about this podcast is you're talking about their personal life and not their business life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's been really, really
2: fun to this point. And there's so many Arkansas sports media members that are out there that it's going to continue to have a lot of good stories. I have a lot more people that I want to get to. And I plan, uh, we'll see if, it, if my perseverance and, and diligence continues, but I plan to do these up to football season because it's a little slower in the summertime. I, I, the fantasy football podcast will probably start some point in august once that starts i'll i'll kind of end this project for now or right? i say end um it will be put on um just uh, not what's suspended for now until next year but it, it, it's been fun to this point guys and i really enjoyed porter you've texted me after a bunch of them had our buddy nate olson hit that line.com who's texted me about a few of them phil and others I, i've enjoyed the feedback that i've gotten from different Arkansas sports media members who have listened to it because that that to me shows that it's worth their time. Danny West said one of the things that really stood out to me that he brought up is as soon as he knew my name was attached to the project, he wanted to do it because I, I don't take these lightly. I called two or three people previously to try and get some good questions to ask. I'll do a bunch of research. I don't just walk in and write a question or two down. Here we go. Guys, I typically have 2530. 40 questions prep heading into the interview and try and ask follow-ups here and there. It's I think it's been successful to this point, and I want to continue to grow it and to continue to learn about the different Arkansas sports media members that we are in contact with every
0: single week. Well, and Ty, you talk about the getting to know their backgrounds too. And that's kind of right around the same time that you dropped your first episode. That was, I I know, maybe a week or two after that is uh, I dropped my first episode of the new podcast that I'm doing, Gridiron Icons, Arkansas's greatest high school coaches on Rocktown Sports Media, the company that I cover high school sports through. And that's been the biggest reward of it. Not necessarily just, you know, building a brand for myself, but more so, too, of what it means to the family members, and I've said it on here before, what it means to the family members of the coaches, the former players, and just people like myself that have been fans of Arkansas high school football. You know, I played it. Mm-hmm. I was uh, blessed enough to have, I think it was 41 Friday nights uh, as a player. Uh, we, we made it deep. We were. Very, very blessed to make it deep in the playoffs. Ever all of Mustang years. Mountain, baby, Mustang Mountain, yes, sir. And uh, yeah, your your uh, Little Rock Christian Warriors destroyed me. Um, the the team that I could not stand the most. Uh, no, I have a lot of respect for Little Rock Christian, but no, Michael Dyer definitely made his presence felt my senior year. Uh, I tell you, coming into Mustang Mountain and putting three hundred up on us. But I'm going to release my second episode. We're only doing one a month just because I don't want to completely mow myself down, but. Uh, The first one I did with Don Campbell of Wynn, uh, just, man, that was just amazing. One of the most legendary names in the history of Arkansas high school football. And then we're going to release this one this week with uh, Coach David Carpenter that won six state championships at Junction City. But one thing I've liked so far in your five, six episodes that you've released is you, you mentioned all the guys that you did bring, that you did have on. But, you know, John Neighbors brings you from kind of relates more to our generation a little bit you know the younger crowd yeah. and then you've got Danny West that rec- that relates from a recruiting background Steve Sullivan Mr. Friday Night anybody that's been watching keeping up with high school football in Arkansas for the last 30 years all kinds of great stories there but also great stuff from high school um, and then but I want to go back to Mike Irwin though and we'll talk specifically for a second about the the Mitch Mustang the Gus Malzon, Houston Nuts saga whatever you want to call it look we've all Heard plenty of stuff. And I think that it's all true in one way or another for the most part. There was that we all know 100% that there was plenty of drama between Gus Malzon and and Houston Nutt. There is no secret about that. Whatever story you heard, there might be some rumors that are not true, but it is 100% confirmed that that is the case. But Mike Irwin just put, I think outside of what Mike said, the most that I had ever heard out of that story was when Ben Cleveland came on with uh, with Ty Hudson and Jacob when they were like maybe 10 episodes in the, to the hog talk the, over a year ago. And he talked about quite a bit how Ben mentioned that they did not want to come to Arkansas. Gus was the one that essentially got him to do that. But Mike really did put a lot out there. I was not aware of the whole thing about that. Basically it was, I knew that there was talks for years about Houston being the AD possibly but i didn't realize it was to the point that they were just trying to push him into that role and then just bring gus in.
1: He
2: elaborated and kind of shone a light on some of the rumors and some of the stuff that's been thrown out there. Mike's, i think in the same stratosphere as Clay Henry and i don't know if i don't know what other razorback insider would put up there. I think Mike and Clay Bob are Holt. kind of yeah, Bob in the 80s Bob's at least. up. In. Yeah. Yeah, that to to me, that, uh, those guys kind of belong in the class of their own, and that doesn't mean Mike hasn't gotten some bad intel here and there over the years, but that was just refreshing, and you mentioned kind of the variety I've been going with, Kyle. What I've tried to do is go with a radio, TV, then writer, like go one by one by one, so just had on, who did I just have? Mike. So Mike's TV. I, mean, I lost my train of thought there for a sec. So Mike's the TV guy the week before. Who did we have? On? We We Phil. So that's a radio guy. So it's going to be a rider this week. I don't know. I haven't figured out what direction I'm going to go with the rider. Might text Nikki, might text Wally Hall. We'll just kind of see what I'm thinking tomorrow when I, when I figured this out, but I think the, the variety that I've gone with this has worked well at this point, but Mike's was great. I I hesitate to say his was the best. I hesitate to say RD's was the best. Danny's, Phil's, whoever, because I think it, they've just been really good to this point. And I, I'm not tooting my own horn. That credit goes to the interesting lives and interesting guests that I've gotten to interview to this point. And I I want to I want to I hope that I set a high enough standard where the bar continues to trend in the right direction. I, it just, I, I think it's contingent upon the different guests that we have the rest of the way on Trust in the Process.
1: So do you try, I know Danny West mentioned it, do you try to break your guest and, and try to get them a little emotional after the RD one, or is that you just take it how it goes? That's a good question, Border. Here's what I try to do. I want to
2: ask them a question or two that Arkansas fans really want to know about, and the ones I've done so far, and I don't ask these just intrusive, over the top, every other question types. But I wanted to ask Danny what what that transition was from browse twenty four seven. What went down there? I wanted to get Sully's emotional reaction to when he didn't become the voice of the Ragebacks. I wanted to hear Phil tell the story of what happened in two thousand fifteen. I wanted to hear Mike's uh, disapproval when he got mobbed at the College World Series. I wanted to ask one or two, maybe three questions that are a little emotional, a little thought provoking, something that they might be hesitant to answer really quick off the bat because that's what people want to hear, right? You want to hear something that's a little intense. Now not over the top. I'm not gonna ask them anything that uh, would get me cussed at over the microphone, but I want to hear if I want to hear about it, chances are our audience at the Hit That Line Podcast Network. Presented to you by Breen RV wants to hear about it as well. That's, that's how I look at it. Hopefully the audience feels the same way I do. And it continues because everyone has controversy in their past. I'm, I'm not outside of that box. Heck, I got to rest my first week of college. And so, for example, whenever Bo knock on wood comes on, I'm going to ask him about the DUIs that he got and how his life was changed about that. Whenever, Chuck hopefully comes on. I'm going to ask Chuck about the time that he alleged... Was it... They called Arkansas fans terrorists? Is that what it was? Am I re- remembering that right? Uh,
0: you know, I... T- an, an act, act of har- terror... I know what you're talking about. An act of about. terrorism. I know what you're talking about, but I don't remember all the details. I remember that there was some there was a lot of people that were extremely uh, upset over something that Chuck had said. I don't remember the exact details, but uh, I, yeah, I really, I can't remember exactly what was,
2: I don't want to misquote something he says, but like what I'm leaning toward or what I'm, what I'm leaning into is I want to ask these questions that are thought provoking and that maybe have never been fully put on the table before out there. Like, as part of this industry, you guys hear things from time to time about certain people that you wonder if they're true or not. This podcast is the perfect platform to just answer the question, to put your statement, your story out there. And so these these rumors that have been occasionally spread around are either confirmed and you can live with whatever is said about you, or you can Take them away and say, no, that's not at all what happened. Here's what happened. That's what I try and do for the different guests we've had on and Chuck and Bo, those examples that hopefully they'll join. Maybe they're listening right now. And they're like, oh, I'm not going to join. But at a certain point, I just want to ask people questions guys that they'll they're at least early on that they, they just have to think about a little bit. Cause those are the type of questions I think really engage our audience and make people think.
0: Well, and and it's, it's kind of crazy. You mentioned that, like, it just not really crazy, but coincidental, uh, that you mentioned that because about three, four months ago, we had Mark Pierce on that played, that played fullback for the Razorbacks during the Cedric Cobb, Fred Talley. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he, he was in prison for a while because he, uh, had a car accident and, and it killed somebody, uh, while he was under the influence. And so, you know, I, I talked to him before and I said, you know, look, I want to talk about your Razorback career. But at the same time, I do want to talk about what that now he owns his own shingle company and are or, or citing something of, of home service background. But, yeah. you know, either way, he's made a big rebound. But it was still uncomfortable because you're trying to figure out how to word, hey, so when you killed somebody, you know what I mean? Like, it's just one of those deals where mm-hmm. you want to get their story because you want to hear those stories. Like you said, everybody has... Skeletons in their closet, whether it's big or whether it's small, and that was what I wanted to have him on because I don't really, to my knowledge, outside of an article here, or there through the years, I don't think that he really got his story out there. And he's made a big rebound. He's married, has a child or two now. I know that he's got a kid that's maybe like toddler age, and so he's he's yeah. definitely learned from the mistakes that he had made. And he was getting in some trouble at the University of Arkansas too. And so it's just it is really cool, you know, to hear those stories. And so you know, I just wanted to. uh to bring that up but also as we close out here you know i know you're a big foodie as well you post a lot of top 10 charts and i I'm, i know that you know your choice of cheap beer is trash with the natty uh, natty light it should be bush light but you know that's uh bush bush day here <laughs> in arkansas but you know man uh I, i'll tell you 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 are the one of the go-to guys um for food in this state at least i mean from what what your polls say, uh, I usually do agree with them. Uh, maybe not necessarily in terms of like where they're ranked, but. Um, top 10 places in Arkansas. Now, I, I want to give a plug to one of my buddies, Jasper Lees, a guy that I grew up with, uh, played high school ball with, and has his own food truck in North Little Rock. Now, if you like fried catfish, you definitely want to stop by the Pet Boys on McCain. It's 4228 East McCain Boulevard. I had some for lunch uh, when I was stopping through North Little Rock on Saturday, and I hardly ate go. dinner. But uh, yeah, man, you want some catfish. Uh, Lee's fresh fish, definitely. You'll see it there in the pet boys parking lot it's a big red trailer so but ty i gotta ask you now so in terms of like i'm i'm very picky where i eat a steak normally i won't eat one unless i cook it or a fancy steakhouse texas roadhouse is about the only chain that i will probably get one from what is the best steak in the state of arkansas in your opinion
2: this is gonna take a lot of people off but to be honest Porter and Kyle, I would rather have a nice, hot pepperoni pizza. But if I'm going to choose a steak, I've never had a Herman's steak. So I, I, I can't say Herman's because I haven't had it. The steaks I've had at Dozy Place, in both Fort Smith, Fayetteville, Little Rock, have been fantastic. I
1: don't – I'm
2: just not uh, – Arthur's and Little Rock is, is phenomenal – there's another. I think Sonny Williams. I've had that before. Butcher shop. It's good. I'm trying. Yeah, butcher shop. Uh, had that so. Hang, hang
0: on. I just. I just remembered. I got to interrupt here for a second. Okay. I, I asked this question. And you're a. You're a ketchup on steak guy, right? I just remembered that. As <laughs>
2: that has been uh, that has been blown oh, out I of proportion. I completely so much. forgot about that. I oh. had this in my notes.
0: I had this in my notes, and I was like, wait a second. I'm starting to have deja vu because I feel like this was a Twitter conversation. <laughs>
2: That's been blown out of proportion. I did that <laughs> one time, and then next thing I know, there are, there are a mass of Twitter mobs coming after me, Razorback fans, because I did it one time. One time. And that, of course, is taking me into an abyss that I can never find reprieve from.
0: That happens, man. I, yeah, what what my dad does not
1: It's got to be those. Uh, that's the best steak I've ever had. My my wife she had a dinner one time and she got to go there, and she brought me back her leftovers. And it was cold. I put it in just microwave just a little bit, and even that was one of the best steaks I've ever had. So I, I would have to go to Do's. I, what would yeah. you say, Kyle?
0: Yeah. I, so as far as like restaurant, um, you know the the thing about it is it hasn't been open for about fifteen years now. But do you guys remember Porter? You might not remember. It's I know you. Um, grew up in the River Valley area. But Ty, do you remember Sirloin's Inn in North Little Rock? Did you did your parents ever take you there growing I up? I don't
2: think I don't think to be honest that I was ever taken there.
0: Uh so that's where I when I was little, I would of course go on my parents' anniversary dinners or mom or dad's birthday. Um, and then we would usually go there. I mean, it's one of those expensive places. It's going to be for, at least if you're eating for two, it's going to be probably around 150, 200 at least, but man, I mean, salad bar out the wall, like everything you could imagine. Um, yeah, I mean, that was, that was my go-to now. I I wouldn't really say that I have a favorite. I I do like Texas roadhouse a lot. I do like the butcher shop. I do like Arthur's all those, but I I don't know. I don't know if I have like an actual favorite. Normally I just tip, I, I prefer, to just grill it. That's usually what mm-hmm. my go-to for that. But yeah, typically, uh, typically I just usually cook my own, but you know, I, I'm actually, I made sure to get one for this week as we're going to be probably snowed in at least until it was looking like uh Friday, I might be able to go to work one day this week, but.
2: There you go. I, let, let me say this. So I, I would take a chicken fried steak over steak and I don't know if that's sacrilegious saying that on here, but if I had my choice of a chicken fried steak place, I, I was looking my list up that I put out on Twitter. Shorty Smalls is up there. Kyle, have yes. you ever made your way to Shorty Smalls? I
0: love Shorty okay. Smalls. It's
2: math, Porter. If you ever get a chance to go there, Chicken Fried Steak is massive. Steak. Bob and Wanda's here in the River Valley. There's two locations. That's really good. Bobby's Country Cooking, Little Rock, Unbelievable. Cottom's in the city, in Scott, Arkansas, also. Uh, Well, I guess Cottom's is in Scott. The Cottom's in the city is in Little Rock. But the one place that I wish was open, that is no longer, you were brought up one, Kyle. There was a place in Fayetteville, and it's the greatest restaurant I've ever been to. It's called Mama Dean's Soul Food. Did you guys ever partake in Mama Dean's Soul Food? I will endorse
0: it, yes, no doubt. Unbelievable.
2: You got Porter, you got an entree. Two sides, a dessert for 10 bucks, and you walked out of there on a stretcher every time. (laughs) Unbelievable food, home cooking, better than your grandma did, just uh, just a a mouth orgasm, if you will.
0: You're talking like neighbors on here now. He was mentioning getting nipples hard. Now we're talking about
1: orgasms. (laughs) Now, have you ever um, ate at Cheddar's in Fort Smith? I, I have had Cheddar's before. and They have I, yeah. a chicken fried steak there that it is, it is hand-bread. It, it is the bomb. And they all have like this thing called a shepherd's pie. But, yeah, if you're talking about chicken fried steak. That thing take up the whole plate, and they have to bring you out the sides on another one. Okay, chicken fried steak at
2: Cheddar's. Uh, next time I go there, I'll give it a whirl and see how it is.
0: So you got a couple of places to put on your bucket list there. but there you go. <laughs> Well, guys, it was fun. Ty? Always love having you on, my man. I uh, love having our partners from the Hit That Line podcast network on. Guys, if you haven't, be sure to subscribe to that. Brought to you by Breeden RV Family Center. Or, I'm sorry, Breeden RV Center. Family-owned and operated a no-pressure, laid-back atmosphere and always home of the free maintenance for life. So go check them out. It's Once we get past this snowpocalypse, we're going to be one step closer to spring and summer that nice weather where it's time to get out there and camp and do all those outdoor activities. So breeding is your place to go for that. And guys, again, it is fun as always, Ty. Appreciate you joining us, my man.
2: Kyle Porter, appreciate you having me. Hopefully make it through this week. I know Arkansas residents are not used to even an inch of snow, so hopefully it won't be an apocalypse down here in the natural state. That's
0: what we're hoping for. But guys, for real, please stay safe out there. Uh, is some dangerous roads don't get out unless you absolutely have to. But other than that, for Porter Hayes, Ty Richardson, my name's Kyle Sutherland. We will catch you next time.